Good evening, this is Rob McClure and Vicki Iden bringing you your local news live from the WORT studios on Bedford Street in downtown Madison. Here are the headlines for this evening. State lawmakers are considering a package of bills to tighten prohibitions and oversight of sexual assaults within the National Wisconsin National Guard, the Associated Press reports. That comes after a 2019 report found that commanders with the Wisconsin Guard had defied federal law over sexual assault complaints. That report was spurred after Senator Tammy Baldwin received complaints of high-ranking, high-ranking officers in the organization doing little to address sexual harassment for well over a decade. The Wisconsin National Guard's commander, Donald Dunbar, resigned alongside the release of the report. The new bill package was crafted by a study committee made up of legislators, district attorneys, and military veterans. One bill would create a code of military justice, prohibiting National Guard officers and recruiters from engaging in sexual activity with soldiers, their training, or people applying to join the Guard. Another would require commanders to submit annual reports detailing the number of assaults and misconduct cases to the governor and the legislature. In a press release today, Senate Minority Leader Melissa Agard, a Democrat from Madison, says that the bills are a step in the right direction and that she is hopeful that the legislature will continue to focus on preventing misconduct and supporting survivors of sexual assault. Dane County District Attorney Ismail Ozan has cleared two Madison police officers of criminal liability in the death of a homicide suspect last February. The situation began when two officers identified the suspect, Justin Kopmeyer. When the officers approached him, he pulled a gun and ran inside a quick trip. The officers fired a taser and one bullet at the suspect, but neither hit him. Kopmeyer then went into a bathroom, fired two shots, and was found dead. Both officers involved in the incident were placed on administrative leave while the Division of Criminal Investigations conducted the investigation. It's hot out there, but Madison's beaches will not be open throughout the week unless more lifeguards can be hired. NBC 15 reports that currently lifeguards are only working at Madison beaches on holidays. There are about 35 lifeguards currently hired, but beach officials say they'd like around 50 to make sure that all lifeguarding shifts are covered. Meanwhile, Goodman Pool is scheduled to open next Friday. Officials say there will be multiple rounds of lifeguard training throughout the pool season, and there is still time to apply for those positions. Still, the community pool intends to be open daily, weather permitting. Madison's Aquatic and Parks Coordinator Shane Martin says that the city will give paid training to folks who are not currently certified as lifeguards. Construction work on the city's bus rapid transit system, also known as BRT, is underway in about 10 locations now. The city first broke ground on the east-west BRT route in December. The first of 44 stops have been built along the east-west line, running from East Town to Junction and Mineral Point roads. Each stop takes about two to three months to complete and contains security cameras and heating lamps. Other BRT work sites include Mineral Point Road, Sheboygan Avenue, North Whitney Way at Regent Street, and on Anderson Street near Madison College. The main construction work is expected to be completed by the end of next summer with service underway by the end of 2024. A second, a second line running north-south may be completed by 2027. Meanwhile, the city's Metro Transit Network redesign will officially begin operation on June 11th. You can find out about the upcoming changes on the City of Madison Metro website. 
The Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources has issued an air quality warning for high levels of ozone for large swaths of Wisconsin, including Dane, Rock, Sauk, and Iowa counties. Current meteorological conditions are ripe for ozone production, leading the air quality index to reach unhealthy levels for at-risk groups. Those most at risk are people with lung diseases such as asthma, children, older adults, and people who are active outdoors such as construction workers. The health advisories are in effect until at least 11 p.m. this evening, though DNR officials told WORT today that if present weather conditions continue, we will likely see at least one more advisory by the end of the week. In 2021, sales of plant-based foods grew at three times the rate of overall food sales, according to nonprofit news organization Sentient Media. And while just 3% of the general population are strict vegans or vegetarians, according to the Pew Research Center, black Americans are more than twice as likely to fall into one of the two groups. As veganism is on the rise, so too is the demand for restaurants featuring a plant-based diet, And today, an all-vegan restaurant that's been operating for years as a catering service celebrated the opening of a brick-and-mortar location on State Street. WORT reporter Abigail Divins has more. We are here to celebrate the grand opening of Just Veggies here at 540 State Street. (laughs) That's Camille Carter the president and CEO of the Madison Black Chamber of Commerce at today's ribbon cutting. She and other business leaders were there to celebrate. Just Veggies, an all-vegan black family-owned business, is opening their first dine-in location. It's owned and operated by James Bloodshaw, chef, owner, and founder. Today, Bloodshaw was honored with an award from the Small Business Administration. He received the Emerging Small Business of the Year Award. SBA Wisconsin District Director Eric Ness presented the award. In 2023, James has fulfilled his dream of opening his standalone restaurant while continuing his catering business and participation in more than 30 vegan food festivals annually. Yes. Chef Bloodshaw said he is excited to provide vegan alternatives to even more people with this new location. Serving my community with healthy vegan food choices has been a joy and a privilege. And I'm so grateful every single day that I get the chance to do that. Bloodshaw says he was inspired by his father's admonition to eat healthy, to start eating vegan, and eventually to start Just Veggies. And though it opened its doors to its first dining location today, Just Veggies has been around since 2018 starting off with catering and delivery out of a shared kitchen on Madison's east side. Bloodshaw said people called in all of the time asking if they offered dine-in, and because the market for vegan food continues to expand, he was able to open the dine-in location on State Street. Ness said that small businesses are a big part of the state. According to Ness, they create two out of three Wisconsin jobs, make up about 99% of all businesses, and employ 1.3 million people in the state. The Wisconsin SBA celebrates May as Small Business Month and awards small businesses every year. This year, seven Wisconsin businesses received awards. Ness praised Chef Bloodshaw for his service to the community. He also cooks meals for the homeless, a men's shelter, and the Beacon Family Shelter, and donates time and meals to the food pantry and animal rights organization. 
Dale Reeves, a small business consultant with Wibic, a statewide de- economic development corporation that helps entrepreneurs, also praised the chef. He said that Bloodshot is fulfilling the goals of small businesses and pointed to the Wibic logo as an example. It has a, a small opening of gates uh, opening up with the words putting dreams to work. And James has crashed through that gate and opened up everything. And uh, I think it all started with uh, his love of family and his passion for cooking. A member of Representative Mark Pocan's office also attended today's ribbon cutting, presenting the chef with a certificate from the representative, celebrating his accomplishment in opening the restaurant and winning the award. And I've eaten so much of your food. This is My wife and I will be eating here on the regular. Chef Bloodshaw said they are not technically open till next week. They have a building inspection Monday and hope to be open for business right after that. Reporting for WORT News, I'm Abigail Levins. The Trust for Public Land has released its annual Park Score rankings with Madison and Milwaukee high on the list. Here's Mike Mullen with the Wisconsin News Connection. Two of Wisconsin's largest cities land in the top 20 in a new ranking for parks. The nonprofit Trust for Public Land has issued its annual park score rankings. They're based on five metrics, including access, acreage, investment, and amenities. Madison was 13th on the list, with Milwaukee coming in at number 20. The organization also released a report on the power of parks to promote public health. Beyond serving as spaces for physical activity, connecting with nature, and social interactions, the Trust for Public Lands, Dr. Howard Frumkin, says urban parks offer specific benefits. Lowering the temperature in the neighborhood, which helps people withstand heat waves. Lowering noise levels, noise being a very common urban stressor. Meanwhile, the top five cities include two from Minnesota, Minneapolis and St. Paul. Others high up on the list are Washington, D.C., which is number one, along with Irvine, California, and Arlington, Virginia. Researchers found in many places, park planning and programs cater to underserved groups or those needing improved accessibility. Linda Wang, also with the Trust for Public Land, says innovation and creativity can vary among different park agencies. We're seeing people with different types of mobility issues. Can we really be thinking about all-inclusive design, for example? And even just trying to really cater to some of the emerging mental health challenges. So that custom programming, custom design is something that we didn't expect to find. And so it's just been a really nice surprise for us to see that. The report also found that among some large cities, including New York and Chicago, investments in parks have declined. But Wang says there are some positive signs in mid-sized cities. I think one of the significant challenges is around investments. So that is one of the categories that we track in the Park Score Index. And when we look across the trends across the 100 largest cities, we are happy that in general, we see some rebounding from the COVID era cuts that we saw across city agencies. For park investments, Madison and Milwaukee scored closer to average, but did better in terms of access. Mike Moen, Wisconsin News Connection. Find our rate trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. The time is now 6.33, and you're listening to the live local news on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. 
I'm your host, Robert McClure, here with my co-host, Vicki Iden. Thanks for staying with us for the second half of the local news. We go now to the first week of June 1969, a time of changes in childbirth protocols and traffic patterns and the last graduation from Central High School. Stu Levitan has the news from 54 years ago this week on tonight's Madison in the 60s. They melt into a dream Madison in the 60s, the first week of June, 1969. It looks like the UW students complaining about bad landlords may have had a point as city building inspectors find 208 building and safety code violations in the Mifflin-Bassett Street area. Mayor Bill Dyke ordered the comprehensive inspections in the wake of the Mifflin Street Block Party riot in early May, after area youth cited poor housing conditions as one of the reasons for their disconsent. And Mayor Dyke names 70 leading Madisonians to his Citizens Advisory Committee, including former Mayors Halsey Craig, George Foster, and Henry Reynolds, two former Supreme Court Justices, Eastside activist David Mollenhoff, Black Labor leader Hilton Hanna, Professor Robert Kimbrough, and bankers Jim Bradley and Dale Nordine. The conservative Dyke keeps only two CAC members who had been appointed by liberal Mayor Otto Feske, chiropractor Kenneth Ludke, and attorney Shirley S. Abrahamson. The committee, more than three times as large as the one Feske appointed, will study and suggest changes in city government on everything from the problems of the elderly to environmental pollution. On June 5th, changing demographics and declining enrollment proved too much for Central University High School to survive as the final bell tolls at its 100th and last graduation. Valedictorian Karen Bergstedt calls on her 185 classmates in dark blue caps and gowns to remember their fierce pride in going to what she says is, quote, the smallest but very best high school in the city. Her comments fit the official class motto, There'll be no tears, for these were happy years. The last diploma goes to Joseph W. Viltaggio, chosen by lot for the bittersweet honor. The choir sings Blessing, Glory, and Wisdom by Bach, the Rodgers and Hammerstein classic from Carousel, You'll Never Walk Alone, and the school song, Hail Central High, Grand Old School. School Board President Ray Sennett, a pioneer of local softball just inducted into the Madison Sports Hall of Fame, closes by paraphrasing William Seward's comment on the death of Abraham Lincoln. From this day forward, Central University High School belongs to the ages. Senate has seen Central rise and fall. He graduated Madison High in class of 1922, the last class before East High opened and Madison High became Central. Of Central's remaining students, 227 will go to West High, 67 to East, 58 to James Madison Memorial, and 19 to Robert M. LaFollette. More of Central's teachers will transfer to West than any other school as well. A newsworthy week for the Students for a Democratic Society. In Washington, U.S. Representative William Steiger reveals that he recently attended an SDS meeting on the Madison campus. 
the Oshkosh Republican, one of 22 GOP legislators who took an unpublicized and privately funded tour of 50 college campuses, says he chatted with students at the meeting and listened to the speaker, a Black Panther from Chicago. Vice President of the Wisconsin Student Association a decade earlier, Steiger says campus unrest goes deeper than radicals. Dissatisfaction and alienation are widespread, he says, with vast numbers of bright and sincere students just as deeply disturbed as the so-called revolutionaries. Steiger was one of six young GOP leaders who spent 80 minutes with President Nixon last week discussing their campus experiences. In Madison, SDS's longtime faculty sponsor cites freedom of speech in pushing back against legislators who say the militant organization is damaging the university. They have a right in the marketplace of ideas, economics professor John Bowman tells the Joint Committee to Study Campus Disorder. Bowman tells the committee, formed in the wake of the Black Studies strike in February, that freedom of speech is so vital he would even sponsor a Nazi student organization if no one else would. Faculty sponsor since 1965, Bowman says he often disagrees with SDS positions and tactics and has been booed off the stage at SDS meetings. He testifies that SDS has been blamed for things it wasn't responsible for, including taking over the black study strike. And he notes that the extreme democracy SDS practices, anyone who shows up can vote, means that sometimes regular members are outvoted and positions taken which don't reflect the true positions of Madison SDS. And campus radicals aren't the only ones clamoring for change. A drastic change could be coming to downtown traffic patterns as city planners hope to solve the congestion crisis on the Capitol Square by reversing traffic on the streets a block away. Because that outer ring of Doty, Webster, Dayton, and Fairchild streets now goes clockwise, many motorists coming from the west side to the east side come all the way down to the square itself, clogging the streets and making it more difficult for shoppers to drive and park. Creating another counterclockwise flow by reversing the outer ring, traffic engineer John Bunch thinks, will siphon off most of that pass-through traffic. It would also let the city expand the sidewalks around the square and turn the first blocks of Wisconsin and Monona Avenues into traffic-free landscaped malls. The city hopes to coordinate the transformation with the installation of new sewers on State Street later this summer. And there's change in the childbirth protocol at Madison General Hospital. For the first time, husbands are allowed in the delivery room, subject to the obstetrician's approval. The husband's presence is intended to deepen and enrich the family experience for the couple, a hospital spokesman says. Husbands have long been allowed in the delivery room at University Hospital, but are still barred at St. Mary's and Methodist Hospitals. And two deaths of note. Joseph E. Maher, co-founder and chairman of the board of the Forbes Maher Music Company, dies unexpectedly at age 88 on June 3rd. Maher was a music salesman from Chicago who joined with Jesse Forbes in 1916 to start the firm which bears their names. Also a co-founder of the Madison and Wisconsin Foundation, predecessor to the Chamber of Commerce, Maher played an 
instrumental role in Badger music history by providing funds for the university band to make the first recording of On Wisconsin in 1926. And Army Private Thomas A. Greeson, 20, 446 Hilltop Drive, is killed in action in Vietnam on June 6th. A 1967 graduate of West High School, he worked at the Pure Oil Company at Westgate Mall before entering the Army in May 1968. He was sent to Vietnam that December. And that's this week's Madison in the 60s. For your award-winning, listener-sponsored WORT News Team, I'm Stu Levitan. And it's time now for the most comprehensive weather report on the airwaves with WORT weather guru, Rob McClure. Well, we've been bone dry for 12 days now, and it's been a week or two longer than that since we've had any meaningful rain, like a half an inch or so even. Uh, So we're about to end May, at least I think, depending upon what these storm cells to our south do, uh, with just over a quarter inch of our normal moisture here in Madison, about 27%. That would leave us about two and a quarter inches short for May. So we're going to need some decent rainfalls to make up for that, especially given the amount of uh, soil moisture that we lose when the temperatures start to push 90 degrees, as they have done today and uh, will continue to do over the next few Uh, Not much would seem to have happened, you would have thought, since I was on last week, given how nil the uh, weather has been. But uh, even dry, clear weather does have specific causal factors, which are worth examining for a moment. And you might have a look at the WORT weather webpage and have a view of the seven-day satellite review, which will show you uh, what happened all this uh, past week. Uh, If you're watching the sky closely closely over this past weekend, you will have noticed something uh, quite unusual. We had cirrus clouds way up the top part of the troposphere moving east to west overhead on Friday and Saturday. That only happens when you have a dome of warm, dry air, an upper high, which turns to the right, up to our north over Ontario and Quebec, where it's uh, not usually warmer than it is here this time of year especially. Uh, That warm dome to our northeast was under the apex of a huge upper ridge that began slowly traversing eastward across the continent uh, last week. And that warm dome was paired, as these features often are when you get a very blocked weather pattern like this, with a corresponding cooler air mass down to its south, stretching, uh, well, from here down towards the Tennessee Valley and on from there towards the Gulf of Mexico. That cooler air produced a leftward turning upper low above it. And so you can see those two areas of counterposed spin right next to each other on the image, uh, turning together kind of like meshed gears with the westbound fetch in between the two, eventually grabbing onto some Atlantic Ocean moisture and drawing it inland, you know, a thousand miles or so to here to thicken up the cirrus clouds that were over us on Sunday. And those ice crystal clouds up at four or five miles above ground level at that time constituted basically the only moisture in the air column. And that was true until yesterday when we finally saw a few cloud bases start to creep down below 10,000 feet. Model soundings this afternoon, though, showed sufficient moisture having got into place between about five and 8,000 feet to support thunderstorms, at least given the presence of uh, sufficient upward forcing. And that has been supplied this afternoon by the Lake Breeze front off of Lake Michigan, which wandered inland today a couple of counties before starting to generate thunderstorms out ahead of it. 
So far, those cells have uh, generally uh, not made it any further west than about central Jefferson or Dodge County, though additional cells have since moved into Dane County uh, from the southeast. Those have been driven by outflow from cells down in Illinois, actually. Uh, But overall coverage uh, has remained fairly spotty. A weak initiating forcing and skimpy moisture are going to continue to hamper at least widespread convection tomorrow and Friday, with perhaps another blow up along the lake breeze front, uh, especially tomorrow, and possibly a few storms also instigated by low pressures trying to press at us from the west. That's been sponsoring daily outbreaks of uh, Uh, convection out on the plains, but so far it's been stymied working further east by the upper ridging that's over us. Given very light winds through the air column, uh, any storms that do form are likely to be uh, both slow-moving and uh, pulse-type with the downdraft and precipitation columns snuffing out the updraft, so uh, not long-lasting storms. Uh, So we may see uh, this kind of tropical round of late afternoon uh, thunderstorms uh, popping up again tomorrow, and perhaps again, as I mentioned, on Friday. I suspect both days they'll be widely scattered. The upper ridge is in the process of actually retrograding back westward over us, and you can see that a little bit at the end of the satellite image that I was mentioning, but it, it should be far enough back to our west over the plains by Friday to begin admitting uh, a cooler surface air mass down into the area uh, into the Great Lakes region from eastern Canada Canada again. So that's going to push, at least slowly push, uh, the rounds of diurnal convection further westward each day coming up uh, out towards the Mississippi River or beyond as we get over the weekend. So uh, cross your fingers if you need rain. There's still some possibilities coming up in the next couple of days, but by Friday we should be drying out again. But uh, back to the specifics for this evening. Uh, outflows pushing northwestward westward from uh, thunderstorm cells down in Illinois have sponsored this handful of cells that's now in eastern or southeastern Dane County, moving very slowly northwestward. Uh, if you have a look at the visible satellite image on the WORT weather webpage, you can see those popping up. They're currently uh, mostly, as I mentioned, centered uh, southeast of Madison, almost at a standstill now, just uh, uh, moving very slowly to the northwest, maybe 5 or 10 miles per hour, with a few additional cells popping up further north than that, up towards uh, southwestern Columbia County. Uh, Those cells should uh, generally uh, uh, dissipate as we get later in the evening after sundown. Debris cloudiness after the cumulus subside, though, should uh, hang above us through uh, most of the night, I think, with temperatures dropping back to the mid-60s on southeasterly winds generally coming down below 5 miles per hour. Tomorrow should be a similar sort of day, but probably with the more prevalent cumulus organized into northwest uh, running cloud streets again. I think those cumulus may boost into uh, more widespread showers and uh, thunderstorms tomorrow afternoon, given what will be slightly better convergence to the west of the incoming uh, lake breeze front and slightly beefier low-level moisture as well. And outflow boundaries may also have a chance to initiate additional storms tomorrow, at least if the convection can start a little earlier. Temperatures will reach the upper 80s again, with dew points in the low 60s. South Southeasterly winds will be up at 4 to 7 miles per hour. Afternoon convection should subside in the evening, with uh, partly cloudy skies again overnight, and temperatures dropping back to the mid-60s on light southeasterly winds. 
Friday, uh, one more similar day in store, but uh, slowly backing more easterly winds as we go through the day should push the north-south bands of uh, afternoon uh, showers and thunderstorms further westward, probably uh, into the western part of the listening area or over towards the Mississippi River. So I expect the eastern parts of the listening area to remain clear in any case. Temperatures will again approach 90 degrees, especially where it does stay clearer, and will drop into the low 60s overnight. And Saturday will again be hot. We'll be in the mid or upper 80s, but with drier dew points back down in the 50s, uh, uh, with additional clearing working westward across the state. And we'll be clearer and drier Sunday, with temperatures down slightly by then in the lower mid-80s on what will be beefier northeasterly winds. At the moment at the station down here on Bedford Street, the temperature is 81 degrees. The dew point temperature is 60. Winds are out of the east at 15 miles per hour. A mixed cloud cover the last I looked out with some towering cumulus and also some fall streaks visible out over Lake Monona. And the barometer is dropping uh, slowly at 29.93 inches of mercury. And that does it for our show this evening. Thanks for listening to WORT's Live Local News at 6. <laughs> I'm out ahead of the music this evening. Uh, your headline writer this evening was David Ahrens, and your reporter was Abigail Levins. Special thanks to Stu Levitan, and a special thanks also to J.D. Siri Ramos and Abigail Levins, who uh, pitched for money for us tonight to keep this news independent. Our engineer was uh, Chuck Kademan. Actually, it was Lauren Hicks, who uh, was understudying last week and is now taking over. But thanks to Chuck for all his good work here on the station. We'll miss you. Nate Weggehout produced this newscast, and Shelley Pittman is the news director at WORT. I'm your host, Robert McClure. And I'm your host, Vicki Iden. Thank you to all of you who called in your pledge of support this hour. You make it happen. Up next is Query, followed by... Oh, have a good night.